0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Monday. We're back in Matthew chapter 23. And Jesus, as we left off with Jesus right in the middle of letting the Sadducees and Pharisees literally have it, um, He was telling them off. He was calling them out of their hypocrisy. And it rings true for us today, too, how God does not claim the hypocrisies of man. And so the Pharisees and Sadducees obviously rejected him, were trying to trick him and trap him, and their hearts weren't pure. Their hearts were all about themselves and full of their own pride. Otherwise, they would be believing in him based on either his words, the fulfillment of prophecy, or the good that he was doing, the miracles that he was doing. But, their own pride wouldn't let him, let them appreciate that, and they were plotting to kill him. And Jesus knew their hearts. He's calling them out here, strongest language. And as McGee says, Jesus is not all just lovey-dovey. Jesus, he is the judge, and he is um, totally strong in calling out sin. The first time he comes, he's coming to to die. He's coming to be a sacrifice. But make no mistake, the second time he comes, he will come in judgment. Verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. In other words, they even take a tenth of mint that they're going to put in their food and give it to God. They're trying to be, oh, so pious and religious. But they neglect the big matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are things they don't do. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. These are people who strain their food, strain the wine so that if a gnat was in it, they wouldn't, you know, drink the gnat by mistake and and become unclean, quote unquote, under the law. But they swallow a camel. This is sort of Jesus, sort of being making a joke here. Um, he's making the extreme point here. Verse twenty-five: Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Here comes another woe, for you clean out the, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. The cup would have probably been for a religious ceremony that they ceremoniously, you know, kind of keep clean. And they hold with a special clean cloth so everything's clean. But inside the cup is dirt, is dirty greed. It's like the body. You try to put on all these religious things to appear like you're doing good. But on the inside, it's just sin. Verse 26, you blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. In other words, Jesus is saying you've got to repent to clean the inside before you worry about the outside. Verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness." So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. I mean, this is strong stuff, huh? Verse 29, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous. In other words, they do all these things to people, the prophets who are already gone, because this... These are the generations of people who kill the prophets. Verse 30, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Verse 31, You witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. 32, Fill up then the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you going to escape being sentenced to hell? I mean, as McGee says, it doesn't get any stronger. The condemnation on these folks doesn't get any stronger. But look, I mean, it's the same kind of stuff that we have to be careful of. He can call He can call us out too if we're trying to claim being Christians, but we have sin in our lives. Verse 34, therefore I send you... I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town. So that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zachariah son of Barakai, whom you murdered between the Sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So Jesus is calling them out of all the righteous blood that was shed from the beginning of time, from the beginning of the Old Testament up until the most recent um, prophet being murdered. probably including himself. He's telling them, I know you're going to crucify me. And perhaps he's talking about his disciples too. Verse thirty-seven: Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and that you were not willing. Jerusalem, time and time again, has rejected the prophets. And Jerusalem, you know, the leadership here is rejecting Jesus. Now, Jesus is sort of lamenting here because Jesus is rejecting Jerusalem back. But he weeps over it. He wishes he could gather some of these hens, I mean, some of these little children. But if not for these prophets leading people astray, he would be able to. Verse 38, see your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, you're rejecting me now, my first coming. But when I come back in judgment after you crucify me. This is the time of the end when I come back. This will be in judgment on you. That's when you will see me again. Chapter 23 ends with huge condemnation for these blind guides and scribes and Pharisees Sadducees. Jesus is bringing it down. There is no... there is no lukewarm here. You're either with me or against me. And Jesus is calling them out. He knows their hearts. He knows what they're plotting to do. Chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was going away. When his disciples came to out to him, out to point out to him the buildings of the temple. So, you know, they're probably following up on... His comment is, see your house is left to you desolate. You know, he's saying they're probably trying to they're probably saying, well, look, he's kind of focused on the architecture. Let's let me let's point out the buildings here. Look at all our great buildings, you know. Verse two, but he answered them, you see all these, do you not? In other words, he's saying, "Okay, you see these temples, you know, you're trying to ask me about all these temples. Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Okay? Now, you could take that as Jesus is saying, is he going to tear down the temple? Of course, my study Bible says, 70 AD, the Roman army under Titus came in and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. Okay, that kind of fulfills the prophecy in, in one way, but in another way, in a spiritual way, Jesus is destroying the temple with his, with his death on the cross because he is destroying sin. The new temple is going to be the body of Christ. The new temple is going to be composed of all of us believers that will be the body of Christ. Verse 3, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? So we're going to stop here. This is where McGee stops. And he's going to be talking about the signs of the end of the age. It's called the Olivet Discourse, because he's sitting on the Mount of Olives to give all this future prophecy. So we're going to stop here and just take in the strength of what Jesus has had to say about sin in our lives. Yes, He comes as the Savior, the sacrificial lamb, but He's also telling them that He's going to come as the judge, the judge for all those who reject Him. Wow, very, very powerful stuff here in Matthew. Jesus was in control. These people did not just kill him. Jesus was allowing himself to be sacrificed for us. So I'll turn the rest of the podcast now over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. I hope you had a great weekend. And uh, for me to all of you, as always, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ. We'll see you here next time.